1: Plays it over for Braun. Wilson stops it. Comes out for Eckholt. Stop. Rebound fishers form. Fuck fishers form. Ah, yeah, yeah! Go at 11 12 in the third overtime. The Predators have tied the series. It's a 4 3 win.
2: Holy cow. <laughs> There's nothing like Stanley Cup hockey, and my next guest has been a part of the NHL for decades now the voice of the Nashville Predators, a Notre Dame alum and former voice of the fighting Irish hockey team when the legendary Lefty Smith was in charge of Notre Dame hockey. It's my pleasure to welcome back to Sportsbeat, Pete Weber. Pete, thank you so much for your time. And three overtimes, that's not too bad. That's a lot of fun calling those long overtime games.
1: Especially with a game that starts at 845 local time. So <laughs> oh, we were gosh. it was a school night. And no one had left the building when the game ended at 106. So that was a great <sighs> test of hockey fans here in Middle Tennessee.
2: The five overtime Notre Dame hockey game about eight years ago, the fifth overtime, my yeah. eyes started burning. Other than that, it was <laughs> one of the coolest nights of my life.
1: I mean, those and extra baseball games, yeah. they just live on and live on. You can't flush them out, which I, I'm very grateful for.
2: No question well Pete good to hear your voice as always I greatly appreciate your time and you were back in these parts recently as you were part of a Notre Dame reunion what's it like to come back to the University of Notre Dame and see some old classmates
1: well and in my case really old because <laughs> it was my 50th reunion Wow and uh, yes we were we were graduates in 1973 and there were roughly uh, 1500 some in my class 500. Showed up for the reunion weekend mm. we had out of that we had 48 of us from notre dame and st mary's who spent our sophomore year overseas in innsbruck and 30 of them made it back and that was really gratifying to see so many of them uh, coming back and ready to celebrate because believe you me they were ready to celebrate and uh, they made sure that all of us were ready to celebrate and to continue that celebration. It was a a great deal of fun.
2: And the great thing, Pete, about getting to know you, you're still a huge fan of Notre Dame hockey. I know Lefty is a very important person to you. And I even think back to, I guess, almost two years ago, we were up in Albany and there was the controversial ending against North Dakota. We thought we scored before the red light and the green light came on and there was controversy. And you had texted me, you were in a press box somewhere in an NHL arena watching that game so Notre Dame hockey is still very important to you
1: very important I mean I believe that night I was in uh what was then the Bell Center in Denver okay. watching all that come down or no 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 I was in Las Vegas that's where I was okay as we speak of the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, yeah I was in uh, I was in T-Mobile Arena in Vegas watching that
2: and I think you got back to the Compton this weekend
1: Yes, I did, and I got back, and I got, was able to take advantage of the great bookstore sale Good. Uh, downstairs on the Olympic ice surface. I came back with some uh, Under Armour shoes <laughs> that I think uh, got uh, some of the gold leaf that was being put on the dome itself la- the last few weeks, and uh, they look absolutely great, uh, but going into the Compton and seeing all of that, was uh, it really brought tears to my eyes, and I've got to hmm. find some way to get back for a game during the course of this next year, at least a game.
2: And you're doing the game with me, right? You got to do at least a period or the whole game, whatever you want. The the booth is yours. Thank you. Thank you. That's
1: very, very welcoming of you to be able to uh, extend such an invitation. And I will be glad to take advantage thereof.
2: It would be an honor. No doubt about that. And bringing in NHL Nashville Predator Hockey to Notre Dame Hockey, Spencer Stasny, who played such wonderful hockey for Notre Dame for four years. His senior year, he was a dominant player in college hockey. The 23-year-old had been playing most of the year with the AHL Milwaukee Admirals, but, Pete, he got the call-up to the Predators. He got eight games under his belt. What are your early impressions of Stasny and how his future seems to be, you know, planning out it with the Nashville Predators. How are things going to work out for yeah. him there?
1: Well, I think they should work out pretty well. I mean, number one, he's just a magnificent skater and obviously has a very high hockey IQ. He fit in immediately when he came here to play down the stretch, and the Predators were out of the playoff picture and all of a sudden call up as many as 12 players from Milwaukee and have them in the lineup at one time. Uh, Some fans here were referring to the Predators as the (laughs) Predmorals, the uh, merger of Milwaukee and Nashville. But Spencer Stastny really showed well. The coaching staff was high in their praises of him. And uh, among them was uh, John Hines, now no longer the Predators coach, but uh, rumored to be in strong contention for the job of the New York Rangers.
2: Do you think there is a better than 50% chance that Stasny could break camp next year with the Predators?
1: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I think that that would be something. I I know Barry Trotz is now the general manager and Mm -hmm. was the Predators' first ever coach. Uh, He's very high in his opinion of him.
2: Pete Weber, Notre Dame alum, voice of the Nashville Predators, my guest here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Meet on WSBT Radio. Recently, the Predators' new head coach, Andrew Burnett, was introduced. Any early feelings on some tweaking or changes coming to the way that the Predators will play moving forward?
1: Well, he's going to have the chance to name one assistant coach. Uh, There has been retention of some of the others that were here, under John Hines and, for that matter, Peter LaViolette. So we'll see what he does in that in that way. But uh, Andrew Brunette, his nickname when he was a player here, and he was on the first team. He scored the first goal in team history, which I regret to tell everybody. Yes, I was voice of the team, but I <laughs> didn't get to call it. Really? As anybody else would want to. Yeah, because it wasn't awarded until after a lengthy video review, Ugh. which revealed that it would have gone in, had the goal cage not been dislodged. So we're sitting there waiting and waiting and finally you say, yeah, it's a goal. And I, I, quite frankly, I couldn't, I didn't have enough thespian in me to go ahead and act (laughs) as if it was just being scored.
2: Kind of like when the Blackhawks won their first of three cups against the Flyers. Patrick Kane was the only person in the building knowing that the puck went in. We had a long wait before the Hawks officially celebrated their Stanley Cup championship. Well, the Stanley Cup Final Game Three coming up tonight down in Florida. Vegas has a two games to none series lead. Pete, the Stanley Cup playoffs is the most unpredictable playoffs. Maybe the NCAA basketball tournament might be the the closest thing to the Stanley Cup playoff because I look at the sixteen teams. You play this thing 10, 12 times, and you're going to have different outcomes every time. The Bruins had the historic yeah. regular season. They get upset by the Panthers, who make it all the way to the final. It's just one of those things, Pete, it seems like as an NHL organization, just figure out a way to get into the postseason, and truly anything can happen.
1: Absolutely. And I think about my original NHL team, the Los Angeles Kings. Mm. And they were the last team to make the playoffs. In 2012, well, lo and behold, what happens? They knock off the first, second, and third seeds in the West and go on and win the Cup against New Jersey's Devils. And then they repeat uh, with a year off in between in 2014. Get in. And that 2014 year was also when they were down three games to none to San Jose and came back and won. So all those statistical oddities seem to just manifest themselves in the Kings' postseason run. Uh, At that point in time. And I absolutely agree. Get in and you have a shot. When the Predators made it in 2017, they were the last team to make that playoff field. And they ended up in the final against the Pittsburgh Penguins.
2: Pete, as hockey continues to grow in America, it's good for American hockey when you have a young American star step forward. And Matthew Kachuk has been around the NHL Mm -hmm. for a few years, but traded from Calgary of Florida and now has had really a coming out party in front of the national audience during these Stanley Cup playoffs and a lot of people don't know he was committed to the University of Notre Dame and then things happen. Unfortunately, he did not come here, but a guy like Kachuk, I think American fans can really get behind because he has a great scoring touch, but also he's not afraid to put his body into someone as Jack Eichel found out in game two of the final.
1: Uh Oh, Yeah, did Jack ever find that out? And <laughs> I I love the way Jack responded. He said, hey, that was a clean hit. I, I was stupid. I had my head down going through the middle. And uh, thus I became uh, eligible for that sort of hit and went right down and he was able to bounce back and come back in the next period. But Matthew Kachuk, I mean, this is the, uh, the legacy of the St. Louis Blues players who stay home and coach the young players around St. Louis. His father, Keith Kachuk, was not exactly a shrinking violet type of player either. <laughs> and uh, watching his son work and this one work and the other in the Ottawa senators chain right now has been a lot of fun for me uh, and knowing their backgrounds and thinking how they probably all got their start skating at the centine center, West of downtown St. Louis.
2: Mm. Pete Weber, Notre Dame alum voice of the Nashville predators, my guests on WSBT radio. I want to go back to 2017 for a moment the Nashville Predators yep. made it to the Stanley Cup final. They lost to a, a really good Pittsburgh Penguin team with a couple of Notre Dame players on that particular squad. But as a broadcaster, I'm really curious, Pete. I remember before Notre Dame played in the championship game at 18 against Duluth, I was extremely yep. nervous all day. A little different in the Stanley Cup final. It's a best of seven in college hockey. It's one shot, and you hope to get it done. I'm wondering, after many, many years of calling hockey were there any different feelings or emotions as a broadcaster going into that seven game series
1: the biggest difference for me and the biggest thing i had to uh, do was control my emotions a bit because as they were going through all the introductions tears were starting to yeah. form in my eyes and that makes it kind of difficult to call a game uh so i, I got the Kleenex out wiped the eyes clean and got going after it but just having the final here in Nashville and so many of my hockey friends in town to mm. cover it or or scout it, whatever. It was uh, maybe the best experience of my hockey life, I'd have to
2: say. I was just going to say, where does that rank among special seasons from your time in the NHL? At
1: the very top. Yeah. yeah, at the very top. There was the first season in team history where I did not get to announce the first goal in team mm. history because of circumstances we discussed here earlier. But, uh, no, you can't top a trip to the Stanley Cup final. Now, if I had been voice of the Montreal Canadiens in the 60s and 70s, (laughs) maybe we'd have a different response to all of that. But, uh, you know, as they were automatic, they would just announce, the parade will take the same route as last year (laughs) in, in the city papers.
2: Pete, I remember in 2012 covering Notre Dame football in Miami, getting set to take on Alabama for the title. And we talked to a couple of media members from Alabama. They were actually hoping that they might get a break from going to the championship game because it was Alabama and Auburn pretty much going every other year. And they were tired of covering the championship games. I don't know about them, but if I had a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final as a broadcaster every year, I would not complain one bit. It's a grind. It's truly a grind, but, man, there is nothing more fun than postseason hockey from my standpoint.
1: Correct. And I'll tell you what was a grind for me was, in Buffalo days, four straight trips to the Super Bowl. And should I add, I think everybody knows, four straight unsuccessful trips to the Super Bowl, including wide right in the first one Mm. against the New York
2: Giants. Mm -mm -mm. Pete Weber is my guest. So I want to test your memory a little bit here. From teams that you broadcasted teams that you were working for who are the three greatest hockey players that you covered
1: well without question at the top I have two Marcel Dion Mm. with the LA Kings uh you know ended up his I believe when he finished his career he was the league's fourth all-time leading goal scorer and then maybe the most uh incredibly quiet man who was very well accomplished Gilbert Perrault of the Sabres who, even today, if I were to approach him with my tape recorder, he would grab it and start singing Elvis Presley songs <laughs> with a French accent. I, I, I did that during the NHL 100 in Los Angeles in 2017, and his former Canadian uh, buddies were asking me, please, please, get him away from here. We don't need to hear him sing <laughs> Elvis songs here, you know, poolside. Uh, and then I'm going to have to say uh, a defenseman who I think was just absolutely an incredible force who would have been a darn good high school college linebacker, and that was the New York Islanders' Denny Pott fan. Oh, wow. I'll
2: tell you what, you mentioned the Sabres. They're going to be really, really good next year. It looks like the next few years.
1: They should be. Yes, they should be. And, uh, they uh, you know, I was kind of surprised where they let Cal Peterson get away and yeah. so on. But uh, now, of course, that was the big three-way trade a couple of days ago in the nhl and he was i would say the cornerstone of that along with ivan proveroff but that uh, that has just been something special to watch uh and how guys make it i mean you think about the college players and i'm thinking about guys like bill Nyrop, who was a class behind me at notre dame that came in alex Pyrus, who was still in the hockey ministry working out of chicago and here's a guy he didn't start his real hockey playing career until he was like 12 or 13 years of age. Mm. And yet he was a 20-goal scorer for the Minnesota North Stars. And I guess that tells you how long ago it was. We haven't had North Stars since 93.
2: Pete, what was your first year in the NHL?
1: 78-79. So okay. the last year before the merger with the WHA.
2: Okay. So I
1: stepped into a 17-team league with Los Angeles and our, <laughs> our uh, divisional team Alignment included Pittsburgh, Detroit, Washington, and Boston. So that was obviously geographically aligned.
2: <laughs> it's like college sports today with the conferences, West yes, Virginia being in the Big 12. All right, so yeah. from from 1978 to present, this is an extremely difficult question, but mm-hmm. regardless of the team, the three greatest hockey players that you have broadcasted?
1: Okay, well, number one is easy, Gordie Howe. Uh, number two is, I have to go this way because he was the most electric player for a good long period of time, Gila Fleur. Mm. And on top of all of that, I'm going to go with a goaltender who I actually had in Buffalo and didn't name with my Buffalo people, but Dominic Hasek, who may well end up, uh, if we get down critically being the best goaltender of all time.
2: He was a brick wall for many, many years. Just a, a tremendous, yes. a tremendous, very
1: flexible one. one. Yes, that's right. <laughs> the guys, the guys called him Gumby, but uh, and for good reason.
2: Was there anything more fun than watching Gordy Howe pick up one of his patented hat tricks?
1: No, nothing better than that. And I just wish I had been there. Now, Mark Howe, his son, his younger son, told me the story of the time Gordy thought someone when they were in the WHA with Houston, had picked on Mark. So Gordy went over to the guy, flattened him with an elbow, and then took his glove off and reached up and put one finger in each nostril and lifted the guy up by his nose oh, and warned him never to think about doing that again. <laughs> oh, Don't my. worry, Gordy, I won't want you to pick my nose again. again.
2: <laughs> that is terrific. Hey, Pete, in closing... I don't know. We may have to pick up a hobby for the rest of the summer. Our, our St. Louis Cardinals are in a spot we're not used to seeing them in no. the first part of June, last place. What in the world are we going to do?
1: Well, I don't know. All I know is I watched them last night and they won one nothing. Me too. And I thought that was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. But that was a, that's a, you know, there's some inter- interesting columns being written on stlouistoday.com right now about how they have come to this predicament, and it seems that there's an awful lot of uh, unfavorable light being shown yeah. on John Mozeliak.
2: Yeah, no question. Well, they can never argue we're not loyal fans, as our team has the third-worst record in baseball, and we're watching them win a one nothing game against the Texas Rangers last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: hey And then my buddy Greg Brown, who does the Pirates, yeah. They gave up seven in the first yesterday. I
2: saw that. Incredible. Do you think Nashville's going to get a Major League Baseball team eventually?
1: Yes, I do. I, I really do, and I think this would be a, a great spot for MLB, uh, without any question. The, the thing right now is the group that's trying to get the team, they claim they have the money to build the ballpark. So now it's a question of finding the real estate, getting the land cleared, and going after it. Some people have said, how about right next to the Titan Stadium? Only one problem there. There is a huge, huge mess that has to be cleaned up in terms of ecology. And uh, it's had nothing but battery acid in it and other things for years. So that would not be a uh, a cheap project at all.
2: Well, folks, if you ever want to have a great experience, if you go to a Nashville Predators game when the game is over, Right across the street is the historic Ryman Auditorium. And then to your right is Broadway Street with all the honky-tonks. I mean, there's nothing else like it in the NHL, Pete. It is a wonderful place to be during the hockey season because once the hockey game is over, you've got entertainment just waiting for you.
1: That's right. Darren, thank you so much for having me on here this afternoon. You bet. And uh, I really enjoyed the trip back to South Bend. I've got to come back more frequently.
2: Please do. And we look forward to having you back for Notre Dame hockey game, hopefully this year.
1: All right. I can't wait to dovetail the schedules.
2: All right. Very good. Pete, thank you so much. Best wishes. Thank you, Darren. You bet. Pete Weber, Notre Dame alum, just back for his 50th class reunion and the longtime voice of the Nashville Predators and the Predators next year. Spencer Stasny should be a big part of their blue line. 550 is our time. More sports speed. in a moment on WSBT. Life
1: is short, and it